Welcome back to Prem de la Prem. It is 7.30 on Thursday, December 20th, and I'm joined by Pat, as always. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Uh, 7.30 in the morning, I think you should say. This is um, a special oh. one because we needed to get a release out. We needed to uh, feed some ears, given the recent news. Yeah, well, like good, like the good journalists that we are, I think we let three or four media cycles pass until we jumped yep. on, and we left it to the last minute before we probably had no other opportunity to do it. So, well, I think what we really pride ourselves on here at, at uh, Prem to the Prem is not being the first to jump to the story, like the Daily Daily Mail or Sky Sports. We're here to get it right, and I'm confident knowing what the show we have prepared. Uh, that we're going to do that. That's a hell of a spin. And it's and a good spin, be- I think. Here's the best news of all: you've got a hard out in 30 minutes. Oh yeah. So we got to go to work, folks. This is the first <laughs> time we're going to wrap this thing up on time. Gone are the days of the 90 minute ramble. So we'll call this one a quickie. Yeah, I wouldn't say they're gone, but not today. <laughs> not 2019. We're turning over a new leaf. Anyway. Um, yeah, I wanted to start this one off with a little segment I just thought of, and I think it'll help provide a little context to what we're going to talk about. The segment is called Not Wenger. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, obviously, in the past few days, um, the footballing world was shocked with Mourinho's, mm, let's call it not clean, given the news that's come out uh, thereafter, but sort of unclean exit from Manchester United. Um leaving a coaching vacancy, and the way they described it was they were going to take in a coach in an interim role and then hire a permanent one in the summer. That's what we've been told, and that's what we know so far. Um, ignoring the fact we've also since found out who the interim coach is, um, this segment's called Not Wenger because in United's press release, <laughs> they managed to get one more jab in there where they essentially phrased their their search as, you know, we're searching across the country, uh, all Europe, far and wide. We're going to make sure we get the right candidate and the person's going to fit the right United mold and it's not going to be Wenger. And what's going <laughs> to... They just, they just peppered in there for no reason. You think Ferguson not... was involved in that? Uh, yeah, I feel like he's got to have a say Kevin in that. Mourinho were like, Okay, this we got to get one last. But we got to get one last throw gut punch in. Us. Yeah, yeah. I love and, you that. Know, as an Arsenal fan, I know you love that because I mean you're you're grasping at straws for positives here. But <laughs> like, who wants that? Does Wenger want it? Do any Arsenal fans want it? Do any United fans want it? Like, yeah, is there any? Is it? Does anybody? Does anybody actually want Wenger? Like, if Wenger were the manager, where do you, like what 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 would your thoughts be? Well, they'd be negative, right? If you'll, yeah. Oh, 100%. Okay. If you'll permit me, um, I think we can get into the, you know, the serious factors of this, as I'm sure it's going to yes. take up most of our time. Uh, I think people forget that amongst all of this, Arsenal has ruined their unbeaten streak, so we'll get to that. Yeah. Don't worry. We'll set some. We're on a different streak. I'm hoping it doesn't go all the way to 22. <laughs> we'll set some time aside for that. But as an icebreaker, I want this segment of Who's Wenger to be about not the uh, not the favorites for the job, you know, the Pochettinos, the Zidans, um, etc. I want this to be about your ringers of anyone in the world who you would bring in to, to uh, fill the United role. Oh, and my it, it can it can really different. be out it can really be out there. 
and I'm saying throw out the rule book. Like the one that okay. came to mind for me was Dana White. Oh wow. Okay, that that makes no sense. But I was first first name I thought of was Bruce Arena. I thought who's gonna fuck this thing up the most? Who's gonna come in here with no tactics, play Pogba right back, and just bring this thing down? And the name's Bruce Arena. But have a smug look like he's done it all. Yeah, with his, with his big old gut and his polo, just looking at the, <laughs> looking at the field like he's got no idea what's happening. That's who I want. Put that guy in a turtleneck and some glasses, like a fat Steve Jobs, and have him patrol the sidelines. What's the name of uh, where United trains? Carrington. Carrington. I like to say uh, when you know, I, I like to say you know, see people at you know London Conley. So I, I'd like a good. It's good to have Carrington in the in the mm. tool belt now. Uh, mm. Oh God. I mean, I think I'd go Carl Pilkington as well. He's a he's he's from Manchester, big old surly United fan. Um, and the can guy give the quote people, machine. yeah. Can you give the people some background on who that is? Uh, Carl Pilkington is a a radio producer who was assigned to be uh, Ricky Gervais and Steve Merchant's producer on their. Uh, I think their XFM show and then later their their HBO show. And all he was was a producer, but he's just such a ridiculous human being that Ricky Gervais made him his own little pet project. And now he has many of his own things. Uh, and he he just has a very interesting perspective on life. Uh, there's a lot of YouTube, YouTube uh, videos out there. The particular channel that I think is the best is The Bald Mank. And they have a lot of a lot of really quality content. <laughs> Just going into going into some of his ridiculous things. Uh, that would be a good one. I'm sure he'd have some good team talks. If you want to hear his movie pitch, um, I think it's the Tale of Two Brains. Go YouTube that, and we'll we'll mm. leave it at that for Carl Pilkington. But I don't know if you had any other people in mind because we're we're already six minutes in and drifting into some interesting territories. <laughs> I was gonna throw out the rock. Dude, Coming off Titan games. <laughs> That's pure motivation. I guess. And I guess he does have a better shot of Wanger if, you know, you're reading the press release. Yeah. Face value. I wonder what the odds are. I mean, Lester won the title. Let's not let's not rule out any names. Yeah, I feel comfortable ruling out The Rock, but... What about the ghost of Matt Busby animated <laughs> inside Patrice Evra? Reanimated like a cyborg. Sounds a lot like the tale of two brains, or the love of two <laughs> brains, or whatever. Whatever. Well, there you go. Is. So that was a, actually turned out to be a natural segue. Uh, and and that was not Wenger. Yeah, I hope you well, all. We will it. Uh, hopefully never never see that segment again. <laughs> it is now seven thirty seven. All right. Well, I feel like now that that we're fully warmed up, I, I yeah. feel like we can talk. Yeah, we had to relatively wake up. seriously. About the events, um, so they've since hired as an interim coach a guy by the name of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who Thank you for was pronouncing that for me. I, you know what? When I got on the podcast, I was like, "Does Pat know what to say here?" So but they just put, they push two letters together in some of those countries, and it doesn't. Well, he's not he's not from America. Yeah, and yeah. So I don't know how to pronounce those ones where they kind of put the <laughs> e and the good. u together. Yeah, and I'm like, not well, good with those ones. Yeah, take, the, take um, the o, take the e, smash them together, but don't break the letters apart and. <laughs> figure it out bud so i don't really toss, know to do, toss some dots toss some dots on top of the o i have learned a little bit about him but i will i will yield the first take to the united fan well i think it's best to summarize um 
that I know how to pronounce his name because he's a former United great. So he's kind of been in the uh, in the encyclopedia for a while. And I want to caveat my pretty brief take with two things. One, I think United fans need to acknowledge that this is a shit show that goes beyond Mourinho. It is an institutional thing that starts from the Glazers, the owners down. And something that I think is problematic, but also something you need to be at peace with, is that's not really going to change until there's a big business change. Someone buying them out or the... (laughs) The latter is the value of United gets so poor that they decide to sell anyway. Um, And point being, I think you need to accept that there's more structural change that that needs to happen beyond Mourinho. And if you can get behind that, that's fine. Number two, I think you need to accept that you can't make top four this season. I think that needs to be widely accepted and and understood going into the games and i think that kind of gives you a free pass to use the rest of the season as a coming together on reestablishing some form of identity now that being said i'm so happy that Mourinho's gone i mean you know that from our last cast and at the same time people are talking about solskjaer's uh, credentials and what he's done, what he hasn't done, how good of a coach he might be. And sure, I think the interim coach would always probably be some kind of old United figure um, while the main coaches finish up their seasons. Right. And barring maybe Giggs, who would have been my top choice, but obviously he's, I think he's Wales manager. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm totally in the why not camp. The fans love him. He understands the United philosophy. He's really good with players by all accounts that I've read. And I'm just like, let's give this thing a go because Mourinho was an absolute cancer that needed to be cut out. And I think it's so interesting reading all the articles that have come out since he's left. It's it's sources who have been willing to speak up, still, um, still under deep background. But just hearing all the stories of dysfunction, I don't know if you've been reading the, the media circus, but... Um, Things were way, I mean, you knew things were messed up (laughs) from the outside perspective, but um, it was, it was pretty shocking to see how much distrust there was between Mourinho and the, and down to the players and the coaching staff and then Mourinho up to Ed Woodward and the management. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't surprise about the players. Um, I don't think that. You know, I think it's easy to 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 throw throw the guy under the bus now, uh, but I think you you're absolutely hit the nail on the head with the management. You know, uh, there there's there's really big issues with. I don't really know too much about the Glazers, but certainly Woodward. Uh, you, you could talk about his football acumen all you want and transfer dealings. That's you know that leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, in my mm. opinion, you know, he just tried to gazoomp City and ends up with a useless Alexi Sanchez for three hundred million pounds or three hundred pounds, three hundred thousand pounds a week. But you know, I think that um, lost in all of this is, uh, you know, what Mourinho did do for the club, and I think post Ferguson, you know, he he almost ends up ruining it, but he brought stability back to United. I think, I think that. 
you know, there's something about who Jose Mourinho is that it's never going to be a long-term sustainable thing. But you think he brought stability? He brought him back to the Champions League. He finished out their trophy cabinet. It's a very hot take. I think that he's got a. I mean, he he in his transfer dealings, I think he brought through some very important players. And I think that you're right about having a guy that the players can relate to and that the fans aren't going to be overly hard on as your manager. I think that's a smart move. Um, mm-hmm. I would disagree with you the top four is out of reach. And here's why. We're, we're less than halfway through the season. We're less than halfway through the season. I I don't know. You're, I mean, you're, you're 13 points off the pace of Tottenham in third and 11 off the pace of Chelsea in fourth. So something's got to give, but well, I you know, I I think that I think that Chelsea, Tottenham, and Arsenal are all overperforming right now. I think that there will be a regression to the mean with all three of those teams. I don't think that the gap between Liverpool and City is five points to the rest of the, the teams. I think it's going to finish more like fifteen. I will say, to the one hand, yes, I have that quiet optimism, and I've run the same thoughts through my mind but those I don't are think staying it's happen i don't think it's no, gonna happen but not, I, think it's, I think it's in reach i think you have to have the mindset of it's out of reach in order to do this properly because if you set expectations of we need to make top four then you're not really going about this in a very smart manner because i'm sure there will be some kind of regression but tottenham who's, and who's um, expectation the fans the management like who's who's expectation to make top four I think it needs to be set forth to the fans of what okay, the goals so it's just for the season for the are. Gotcha. But I also think it needs to be accepted internally. Because yeah, when you're thinking I mean, about when you're thinking about hiring, you need to you need to have those discussions under the very realistic assumption that you're gonna be playing in the Europa League next year, which you know a lot about. Yeah. Yeah. So is Pochettino. Actually, he doesn't really know too much about it recently. He's been in the Champions League. But the um Yeah, I I don't know. I I think that I think the United has, you know, I mean, you you look at what they have to play for. It's it's not not too dissimilar to Arsenal last year when you mm-hmm. knew Winger was going. You know, they were bounced in the FA Cup early. They were out of the Premier League race. Um, then there was a point where you're like, well, maybe Europa and maybe Carabao Cup, and we had really harsh exits in both of those as well. And then you're just kind of sitting on your hands for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that with United, if you give up on the Premier League, or not give up necessarily on the Premier League, but say that's not a focus, what what is there to be excited about other than the future? You think, I mean, you got a really tall task on the Champions League with PSG. I think that there will be optimism surrounding United until that. Even if it's just naive optimism, I think that people will think, well, maybe we can pull this off or maybe we can do this. I But after that game, if you punt on the Premier League, you got three months left and what's an acceptable finish? Is out of Europa League an acceptable finish? Is or or is just anything goes? You know, I don't know. Well, I've been trying to sort through it in my mind. And on the one hand, the PSG tie, we can talk about Champions League quickly. I went from... Um, I lost my screen you. I went from zero, like, with Mourinho's manager, absolutely zero. Why even line up? Why even do it? Not going to happen. To 
let's see. We have a very easy run of fixtures coming up to close out December and enter January. And if think of, you know, there were to be a good time for any of this, it would probably be right now. And I think let's see how these first few games treat us. If signs are promising, I PSG far and away favorites. But I would give us that little like 25% chance that we might be able to pull something out. And I'm going to be excited to watch the games. And that brings me to my point of what I'm expecting this season. I do not expect the way things have been going, a Champions League place. And I don't think you can consider that. I don't think that should be an expectation. Obviously, I mean, obviously at the beginning of the season, expectations were beyond that. But let's look at where we are where we are now. How much dysfunction that we how much dysfunction there's been. How entitled is it to say, "Oh, we deserve to be up there" when Tottenham, Chelsea, and fuck, even Arsenal have been the better teams. Right. And now the season is about getting the players on side, solving the Pogba issue. I honestly, I think there's still a world where he goes. Because now that Mourinho's gone, I can start thinking clearly about him, and I feel like there are some underlying issues that might not make him a good player for United. Figure sure. out the Sanchez thing. Because um, that's... Oh, there's so many tangents. I'll, I'll keep it focused in. Get the players on side. Make the football exciting again. I think of results... We've had the worst start to the Premier League since Ferguson left, I believe. In your Premier League history. In Premier League history. I know the uh, late 80s, early 90s were pretty lean, but... Yeah. Well, no, um, I mean, that's... With, with with a club with that kind of legacy and in history, that means something, you know? I mean, it, it, it it's a high bar. That's, yeah. that, that's That comes with taking the job, but if, you know, depending on who you talk to, you, you brought in the, the second or third best Premier League manager of all time. You know, it that, that, definitely that, seemed you'd that expect way. him to live up to that bar. Yeah, so I think it's it can be said pretty literally. Things can't get worse if you're looking at if you're looking at stats and points yeah. in the season. Fair enough. So I think let's start playing the way that United plays, and what if the results stay the same? I can deal with that because I've already called this season a wash, and let's see who we can bring in this summer. People seem to think it's Pochettino. I don't personally care for that. I'm more in the Zidane boat, but it's a pretty volatile coaching market out there. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. the 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 last thing I'll say on that towards the expectations is this year only. There's only five European places in the Premier League. Sixth place will not go to Europa. So, you know, it's a it's it's not a true reset button, but I think by doing this now. You've done, you've drawn a really clear line, and that's what with Woodward, he wasn't going to give uh, Mourinho the transfer window because I think that would have, you know, the, the the prevailing ideology was he's going to get to the uh, the Champions League, and whenever he's knocked out of the Champions League, he'll be sacked. That was mm-hmm. what everybody thought. I that that was mm-hmm. what I thought at least, and I thought that was a pretty common line of thinking. But now they're, you know, they're putting the club first. They're not. I mean, if if they gave Mourinho a budget of fifty million dollars and he buys people and they fire him two months later, like what does that do for your club? So I oh, think that you do adds, yeah. you do have to give you know the management a little bit of credit in saying you know okay th- this was the right time to do it 
it there there they had a they had a built-in excuse not to do it and no one would have questioned it and i think that they made the right decision at the right time agreed i mean i'm not one to give them credit because i think they're ruining the club from the inside out yeah but (laughs) and um i do have a question for you but to that exact point if they were going to do it this season this was the time and that's why i was so happy to see the news yeah, yeah, I'd agree. And I think the one thing that United fans can be excited for is even though, um, you know, I'm going to try with that last name, but Mr. Olay's uh, coaching record is less than stellar. One thing that does stand out is he just gets after it. He likes to get after it. You know, there's a clip mm-hmm. that got released where, you know, he's just screaming at players in practice, what are you doing? Passing the ball, shoot. You're at the 18 yard line, shoot. You see a sight of goal, shoot. You're not going to score if you don't shoot. And I think that that yeah. is music to United fans' ears. Hopefully, um, that means you'll get to see a little bit more of creative lineups. You'll you'll find some people that you'd expect on the pitch on the pitch. Um, and, and, and they could build towards something better. You know, I, as much as I can sit back and enjoy when, you know, Old Trafford's not a scary place to go play. The Premier League is better when United is better. And that goes for Chelsea. That goes for Liverpool. I think it goes for Arsenal as well. Uh, I think we're starting, you know, people are are sick of City right now. But I think if, if, if City were to fall off and just be a, a mediocre team again, I think people would miss them. And I think Tottenham's doing a lot of really good things there. And I would like to see a Premier League where it's not a runaway show and then a couple of teams are having struggles. I'd like to see a six-team title race. You know, those those yeah. that type of a season would be just beyond entertaining because, you know, I like watching City and I like watching Liverpool just because it's, it's, it's good football. But, you know, I don't watch much outside of Arsenal games sometimes because – you know what's the point? You know one of those two teams is going to run away with the league, and mm-hmm. uh, you know there's, you know there's not so much drama in a Liverpool Huddersfield fixture. You know it, <laughs> there's not there's no reason to watch that. Though I am finally I can say confidently I'm excited for a Huddersfield game because it will be United's next game at at Old Trafford. I is am excited right? to see that. Well, they got Cardiff away and then Huddersfield at home. Yeah. To, to your point of. The, a decent, a decent run of fixtures right here to kind of well, throw some things out. There. That's ex- that's exactly that. Um, I if if you were not a, a suffering United fan and you sat down to watch the games, I'd ask you what was wrong with you because God, it was tough to watch. Yeah, and just well, to be, I like fe- the feeling of excitement about games again is um, it's like a new lease on life. And right. I have here's a hot take to the point of coaching and the person who comes in and the idea that it can't get much worse I think I genuinely think if you or I came in after Mourinho just blokes off the street and said and just like gave the players a ton of praise set like a FIFA lineup and was like you guys are some of the best players in the world go out there and like go out there and show them just have them go I feel like you would get results they are that good. You would, I, you, we would not do better than Mourinho. You're crazy. I think they were so like the players were performing so far under the bar that it's. I feel like it was. It had to be a Mourinho thing. 
It had to be that they would have They would have zero respect for us. I don't know what kind of clout you think Prem Nilla Prem and a FIFA franchise comes with, but they would not no, respect us. I would, I would have a messenger to add to intrigue. I would just sit in my office and have someone deliver the note, and it's like, <laughs> the boss wants you to know that you guys are great, and here's the lineup for today. And they're like, oh, who is this guy? we got to impress him. And it's just me up there just eating nachos and playing FIFA. Oh, so you'd essentially be like a, a puppeteer. You never shadow man feel yourself. Shadow commissioner. Okay. Okay. In that case, yes, I think I would do better than Jose Mourinho. Yeah, they don't. If they didn't know who I was. The idea is, if you just gave them a lineup and encouraged them, you'd get results. More results than you're seeing right now. Obviously, tactics come into play um, for the bigger games, but anyway. Yeah. Okay. Digress. We got five yeah. minutes. I did want to ask you one quick question, and it's kind of a. Sure. It's a pretty existential one. Uh, Mourinho leaving has brought up a whole lot. It's a good segue to Arsenal. Mourinho's leaving has brought up a whole lot of um, discussions around ownership, management, um, caring more about United as a commercial interest than the team itself, and whether or not we'll be able to get back to the top um, while the Glazers are still the owners. And I couldn't help but think about a few parallels, and maybe you can shine some light from what you read on the Arsenal subreddit, but... um, you know, is, is Stan Grunky? Is he the owner? Uh, I think it's Kroenke. Kroenke. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know the exact reasoning behind it, but I see a lot of hate for him. And mm-hmm. given Arsenal's status um, and how competitive the Premier League is, are are you in a perceived similar boat that beyond Emery, you need some more structural change if you're ever going to win anything? Or is everything looking kind of sunny now that you've got this new coach? Well, it's it's not just the new coach. So, um, Gadzis left. He was he was essentially the Woodward, as I understood it. Um, they brought in this guy. I believe his name is Tunchell from Dortmund, and so he's essentially the player development scouting transfer wizard. That wasn't he a first team coach? No, not Tunchell. That was the yeah. I'm thinking of the wrong guy. This is the guy that. Um, I'm forgetting his name. I'm messing up his name. But anyway, they brought right. they brought brought in Ir- irregardless the kind of transfer and player development guru that was behind Dortmund. Uh, that kind of you know he found Lewandowski, Goats, uh, Royce, Royce, uh, Pulisic, yeah, uh, you know Hummels. Uh, I, I mean the list goes on. You know how fantastic Dortmund's been, Kagawa. And, um, Right, and you get you know then then you see you know you look at Arsenal's best eleven, and you see you know Socrates, Aubameyang, and Mkhitaryan sitting there, and you're like, okay, there's not there's, we're we're almost you know Dortmund West to a degree, but right, uh, and so I think that he's brought a lot of things there, and I think that Kroenke's kind of stepped back. Um, Kroenke's son seems to have a lot better pulse on Arsenal, and I think that he does more of the day-to-day stuff so i feel a little encouraged there it might be some blind encouragement because he has done some some interesting things um most notably you know arsenal had you know a whole bunch of shareholders you know fans and, and all that and he did a forced buyout of them so people who had owned stake at the club for you know their family had for mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's over 100 years i guess it could be just with the history of the club but <laughs> for a very long time these for over a hundred years yeah yeah, for, for quite some time they've owned, owned stake in the club, and then uh, he's like, you know what, that's mine now. And 
seemingly you know just out of greed but um you know i i think that i think arsenal still has its issues but i think that there's there's a realized optimism for the first time probably since since the last kind of fa cup win and Mm -hmm. you're like okay is this the end this is the happy ending we wanted and then since then it was pretty bleak time so even even with some of the issues in the front office i think that they've kind of stepped back um and it seems like they're willing to 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 make some some tough but right decisions you know i'm looking at letting sanchez go i'm looking at uh letting wilshire go i'm looking at them not willing to pay aaron ramsey Three hundred thousand pounds a week to the point where they just said our our contract offers off the table. Was that really that hard of a call to make? <laughs> it's I mean it's it's a it's not that hard of a call to make, but it, it's. I'm sure whole, there are lots of yeah. As yeah, mitigating he's, he's, been, he's been with the club for twelve years. People yeah. didn't really like him. He just made his three hundred fiftieth appearance. There's a lot of things where you could say you've seen clubs do things that they shouldn't have done financially for other reasons. Eddie's. You know, at the end of the day, if Arsenal wants to be a top club, as good as Aaron Ramsey is, he's replaceable. He's replaceable. If you're willing to get into the market and spend and you want to compete with a Liverpool or a City, Aaron Ramsey is not going to move the needle for you. There are mm-hmm. other players out there. There are younger players out there. And, you know, you, you can get better. So, I'm, I'm encouraged for the future for Arsenal. Um, but it's, it's a journey to get a Champions League place. So that's really the, I think that was the goal for this year, and that's, you know, that's not that that's not going to be easy. Certainly not if it, easy. If it doesn't happen, is this season a disappointment? Is Emery a disappointment? I don't think so. Um, I think that it'll depend on how it doesn't happen. You know, if if um, you know we have a few banana peel games, if we have more of these you know losses away to Southampton, then yeah, it's a disappointment. But if you know we finish the season in the um, you know the the I, I said eighty points. We're on track for seventy six. If we finish in the mm-hmm. in the um, mid mid seventies or higher in terms of points, and we're at fifth place, I think you just got to say good on you to the other four clubs. You know, seventy fifth, seventy six points, whatever that 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 gets you top four nine times out of ten. And it's unfortunate it didn't. But if we're you know, we, we drift and find ourselves in that 65 points with a few losses we shouldn't have, don't compete with the top clubs. Yeah, it's a disappointment because then there's no real change. But there is a change in identity with the club, and I just hope that that carries on for a full 38 games because we've seen bursts of Arsenal before. The 38 games of consistent performance, that's what Arsenal's been missing. I think that's what Emery brings. That guy is laser focused. I think he demands a lot out of his players. Um, I'm glad we're kind of running out of time because he left Ozil out of the team for tactical reasons against Tottenham. Read that how you will. Yes. But that is a man who's not taking any shit and you're going to do things yes. his way. Yes. And I know yeah. you're going to ask me, are you going to try and twist the knife? And I'll just come out and give my take. So I'm not going to give you that satisfaction. <laughs> I love Mesut Ozil. I do it not think like he's a Sounds like someone who's rattled. Yeah. I do not think that he's a luxury. I think that he is one of the best players in the world. But, oh God! But you sound if he's so not going to buy in, if he's not going to buy in to what Emery is trying to do, or if he doesn't fit Emery's system, he can go. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, Emery wants to play a, a press, fast, 
kind of everyone involved on defense game. That's not Ozil. That's not Ozil. I think that you see you see what is missing in Arsenal when Ozil doesn't play. You don't always see Ozil stand up, but who's creating? You know, I mean, I love Awobi and his progression this year, but I don't need people just dribbling full bore and defenders forty times a game. You know, there's there's some there's some there's some things that he does that, quite frankly, other people can't do. And Arsenal lacks that kind of quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as good as Aubameyang and Lacazette have been, they don't create that much. You know, they're they they take they've taken their chances very very well this season, but they're. It's, it's, they're not an overabundance of chances. I guess what you would say is Ozil, as good a passer as he is, is not one of a kind. I think maybe Emery is waiting for the right time to grab someone who can spray a pass and also work at that intense rate. Yeah, I mean, I I think of I think think that Ozil is yeah. I, I, Obviously, yeah. for whatever reason, it wouldn't happen, but. Um, yeah, look, I don't think I don't think he's the best in the business. Obviously, I'm, I'm a big hater, but I think that you have to for Ozil to be successful, you almost have to build a team around him, and he doesn't impact the game consistently enough to cater ten other people's games around him. What's but the opposite when, of high octane? <laughs> slow burn football. Yeah. Well, I, I I'll tell you. I mean, I I. There, you you look when Arsenal is at its best, Mesutozil is involved. There's not been a game or a run of play where you're like, "Holy shit, Arsenal's really cooking," and Ozil's on on the sideline. You know, they what about look, against Spurs? Played that game, didn't he? Don't believe so. The four two game? Yes. Well, that was when he was hurt, but now I'm starting to wonder whether he's really hurt. <laughs> Back spasms. Classic. Yeah, at the time he was hurt. Um, anyway, I continue. Yeah, yeah. Well, e- even in that game, my point is, like, Arsenal's chance—they didn't have that many chances. They just took them. You know, they, it, it, there, there was, there were a few. There, it was, it was a really encouraging game, and it was, it was encouraging to see them do it without Ozil, but. You know, they, they're they pulling chances out of their ass against Southampton as well. You know, that's mm-hmm. not... It, it, and I think part of the reason we talked about this before, that he gets kind of taken out of the game, is just, you know, teams key in on him. And he's not messy. Yeah. So he can't deal with that. But Adapt, overcome. It'll be, it'll be interesting. I don't think he's gone in the winter in any case. I think he's... No, I don't think season. so either. Um, and I think that yeah. Emery has started slow with him. And he said, I need this, I need this, I need this. I love what Mesut's doing. He's working hard. He's defending. And now he's to the point where he's blatantly saying, we're leaving him out of the team for tactical reasons. So I think he's just saying, like, what can I do to get Mesut to respond? Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully something gives because I do I do love Mesut Ozil and I think he's an absolute asset. But, you know, you look at the look at the team and Ramsey goes, Mkhitaryan stays, Awobi progresses, Marshall comes over in the summer. You got an attack. You got it. You got something that can that can work, and you know you you could do without him. I'd hate to see that be the end, but um, you know it seems it seems like that might be on the horizon with just how he fits in with Emery. Yeah, well said. But that's that. That is that, Mister. That's yeah. that. 
Um, I think that about does it for 2018. Uh, big changes to come in 2019. Hopefully we can find a time. I mean, we're going to be pretty separated with everything going on. Hopefully we can find a time to send a cast early on in the year so we can do a few resolutions, uh, namely guests and social media. Yeah. The and, one, uh, uh, one thing I would say before we exit, we got we to enjoy that holiday football. You don't need us. James, enjoy yourself. You'll be going to the, the Cardiff United game, I believe. Oh, and lastly, give me, give me one January window prediction before we leave. Ooh. Uh, okay. All right. All right. Um, I'm trying to think of a really hot one. The one that comes to mind is Sanchez leaves, Pogba stays. Okay. I am going to go with Tottenham buys nobody yet again. I could see that. That would be two straight windows. I could see that. That's um, not even a hot take. They I'm trying to think of an absurd one. Pulisic to Arsenal. Pulisic goes nowhere because those articles are just clickbait. Yeah. And he's got a release clause of like 31 million euro. <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, That's, those are our yeah. predictions. That was fun. Hey. Nice quick. Thanks all. It's been a good year. More to come. All right. Catch you later. Catch you on the flippity flop.